Fiona English, welcome to the Wolf Brothers podcast. Thank you very much for having me. We're delighted to have you on. Um, I first came across you when I was on a Michael Ryan call, first time I heard. I actually read about you on the website when I signed up for the program. Mm -hmm. And then you were speaking on one of the monthly calls and I was really, I was, I had my notes in front of me. When you started talking, I was just jotting down notes and I was really connecting with everything you were saying. Oh yeah, I like taking <laughs> notes, um, but it was, yeah, there was just such truth and authenticity for me was what really stood out when you were talking because you were, you obviously had lots of experience in what you were talking about, but also you were coming from a place of like currently living what you're also sharing in your, in your writing and your, your coaching or what other work you do. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me because I was like, you were kind of showing how you're still on this journey, but you were sharing as you go on the journey, which for me really resonates rather than, you know, some people who kind of think they have it all figured out and are telling you this is the right way. You were kind of saying, this is what I figured out on my own journey and I'm still, you know, on this journey and I'm still figuring things out and that really resonated. So I suppose just to start off, maybe if you can just maybe give us a bit of a background about yourself and what you do and maybe like, and how you got into what you do. Sure. Um, So I suppose the short bio is that I am a coach and a speaker and a writer um, and I specialize or I'm interested, depending on which way you want to look at it, in topics such as spirituality, authenticity, as you've mentioned, meaning and purpose and leadership. Um, And while they all sound really different, basically what they are is the exploration of who are we? individually and collectively and how do we want to show up in the world Um, and I have been doing this for about five years and before that I worked for 20 years in global investment markets which is very different Um, and my own transition was basically there was something inside me that told me that I had to go and do this work Um, and it was very very tiny it was like something shifted inside me and at the time I didn't even know what it was Um, and then slowly the internal call just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just got the courage one day to go in and resign. And off I went on this journey and I did a master's in psychology and I researched spirituality and how it turns up in the 21st century. And that has, I suppose, gone step by step from there. Um, my master's is in coaching and positive psychology. So I, I coach people now. And I, as you mentioned, I write and speak about the research that I do, but also how it turns up in my own life as well, which is the, the hardest part, I think. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Fiona. And I just wanted to maybe ask you, how did you, you know, you said you had this kind of inner shift and how did you tap into that intuition and listen to it because for me i know i had the kind of similar inner shift when i was working in it and to go do something else and i, I suppose i ignored it for a while so how did you you know listen to that and nurture that to really listen to that intuition sure so i definitely think that that state of intuition grew in me Um i most people in my life are not surprised at the work I'm doing now. Even people I went to school with when I was in secondary school, I always thought you should have been a therapist, you know, or I always thought that you should have been a counsellor. So it doesn't surprise me that this is kind of the, the, the area of work that I'm in. If I'm being honest, 
I've always probably been quite intuitive and I've done everything in my power in my 20s to dampen that. So I knew I was supposed to work in this area. I knew I was supposed to investigate my own spirituality um, and I didn't do anything about it for a long time, probably because I knew, and as, as you guys know, you don't go in there. It's not all rainbows and pixies when you go in there. You know, when you do go into investigating these parts of yourselves that are quite deep, there's often a lot of healing to be done. And I think I was probably quite disconnected from how expressive I am and my intuition because we live in a world that doesn't really support that. You know, it tries to have us in a rational mind. And I worked in a very rational industry. I worked in investment. You know, I was I was paid to think with my head all the time. So definitely I felt I got the first call, as Joseph Campbell would say, in my early 30s. I took a year off work and I did a solo round the world trip. And because I was spending so much time with myself, I definitely could hear myself much more. But of course, I came back from the trip, lost my courage. I went back <laughs> to working on what I was doing. But what did change for me there was I entered therapy. Um, and that was definitely, I suppose, started peeling back layers of who I was and creating the space inside me for that intuition to be more present. And that led to, I trained as a coach at night while I was still working. So when, about a year before I left work, I again, I could just feel, that it's like a little tiny little click of a pendulum. And it's so tiny at the time that you, you can't even put words to it. You just know something's different. And slowly but surely, the tick just got louder and louder and louder to the point that I had no choice. I actually just felt like I had no choice. And I went in and I, I resigned and I was like, you have to do this. You just have to be brave and do it. And I made the decision one Friday morning and I went in and did it on Monday before I had time to, before my rational mind would take over and I had time to change my mind. So. I, did, I think I did the same. I was a Monday morning when I, I used to get this every Monday morning where I'd be like, I can't do this work anymore in, in IT. and then. There's one Monday I read an article by a guy, a blogger at the time I used to follow, um, Benjamin Hardy, and he was just like, you can't become the person you want to be in the wrong environment. And I was just like, this is not the environment I want to be in to be the person I know I can be. So I was, I was like, I have to quit. It was just like so obvious. I was kind of like you, it just got louder and louder over the, it was like two and a half years doing this job and it just got louder to the point I was like, I have to quit. And I didn't tell anyone because I was like, my parents had talked me out of it and people would talk me out of it. So I just handed it in the next day and the Tuesday. But um, but then, as I said, I think there's such fear for people to leave what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as I left, I don't know what it was like for you. Like I said, I'm handing in my notice to the manager. And he was like, okay, if you ever want to come back, like the door's always open. And I was like, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, what was I so afraid of? It was like, the door's always open to come back. It might not always be, but most of the time it is. So it's like, what's the risk of trying something myself? And if it doesn't work, I can always go back, even though I had no intention of going back. You know, there was, yeah, yeah. It was a false risk that I created in my head or society creates that you can't, you know, leave this good job because like, what are you going to do? It's like, well, just try it. And if it doesn't work, you can always come back, you know? So I think, yeah. And I think we fear the going back as well, or certainly I did. I think that like my ego has fought me every step of this. It certainly hasn't been, I made that decision. You then have to reiterate that decision every single day. So when the going gets tough or it can be financially tough, um, so, you know, when you leave something that's well paid and reliable, you know, money could be good for a while, but then particularly when you're self-employed, as I'm sure you guys appreciate, you know, it can be up and down. So I have found at different times that my ego is like, you know, 
you could go back. Mm -hmm. But then there's another part of me which thinks, oh, that could be failure. Like, you know, so I think that some of the resigning is not the hard part. It's sticking with the resignation that I think is the hard part, you know, through all of the different struggles that come. And also the fact that we want to succeed. We don't want to be the person that, you know, I resigned from my job and everything was great and everything like that. And then two years later, it wasn't, you know. So I think that we, even within our brave decisions, we fear the failure, the 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 face of those decisions. What would it be like if I have to tell people that it didn't work out, for example? You know, what's resonating with me there is I don't have the same experience as you guys with um, being in a job that was secure and stuff. But what I see with your ego wanting you to go back there. What I've come to realize with different situations like that, it's it's trying to keep you safe. Because when you're in a comfortable place, whether it's serving you or not, you get very comfortable there. And when you step outside of that, even if it's benefiting your life and benefiting your health, there's that part of your mind that wants to go back to where it feels more comfortable. So when I kind of realized, it was, only, it was a couple of months ago and I realized that when that part is coming in, where it's like, I'll oh, go back there, you're comfortable there. And it brings up an anxiety maybe. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, it's like, it's just trying to keep me safe. Yeah. That perspective shift was massive for me because instead of getting attached to the anxiety that's coming up, it's like, no, hold on a second now. What are you trying to keep me safe from? Yeah. And you know, and it's, it's keeping the anxiety. The anxiety is not taking over then. And it's, it's much easier to, to keep going with what you're doing because when you realize instead of fighting against that ego, it's like, no, no, I'm not coming back. It's like, okay, look, you don't need to keep me safe here. You know, I'm totally fine stepping into this. And when I got that perspective shift, it's just, it's made the journey. Like I got into my own kind of spiritual journey a few years back. And I suppose it, it saved me in a way because when I, when I gave up alcohol and drugs years back, three years ago nearly now, I didn't know who the fuck I was without that, you know, because that's all I had known. And even though it brought me to the most horrible places and into the most horrible situations, I was still more comfortable there. I felt like I knew who that guy was, whereas I didn't know who this new person was. And I was like, karmic really helped me at that point when I stopped with the different practices with meditation and organization and routine and stuff like that. But I still, I was lost, totally lost. And because I didn't know who I was. And it was when I kind of started tapping into the more spiritual aspects of, of life, I could really, I was like, oh my God, Dad, this is who you are. And, and a lot of things felt very familiar. And um, that's why I just feel like for, for people that are kind of lost in who they are, if they step away from a job because they feel like it's not right, yeah, you need to take something else into your life that's going to help you understand more about yourself and who you are so that you can step into something else. Absolutely. When you let go of your, what you end up attaching yourself to as your identity, when you let go of that or step away from it, it's, um, it's like you're in limbo, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, but what I was really curious about as well was what kind of spiritual practices do you have yourself? Yeah, so I have a, a lot and I'm always kind of playing with them, if you like. Um, oh. And what you've just said has just resonated with me so much because the big thing that I'm always trying to do is make that part of myself safe. 
because people describe me as as fearless and I make big decisions but there's another part of me that's like what the fuck are you doing feeling like you know and to move forward in life I have to address that part of myself and say what do you need to feel safe which is exactly what you've just said as in you know that that part of me used to feel safe because she had financial security or she had a, like a certain title or a job or whatever so part of my spiritual practices outside of just in terms of my own well-being is how do I make that part of myself feel safe with choosing a bigger more expressed life if you like um so what do I do I do a variety of things now given I uh, research spirituality I'm interested in what are like you know universal truths through all the different religions and spirituality and stuff like that um Every day I journal. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. I usually have either a cup of coffee or cacao if I decide to make it. And I do Julia Cameron's morning pages, which is three pages of free writing. Um, I do that before I do anything else. I don't even get dressed to do it in my pajamas. Um, and then I normally do at least a 10 minute meditation, just a sitting meditation, usually trying to create greater space inside myself because I find that that fearful place is always trying to make me smaller. Um, and then outside of that, I would try loads of different things. So I use yoga, for example, meditation. I walk in nature, breath work. I go on retreats. But I try to have a small practice that I stick to every day. And then obviously, given my personality, I sometimes get a bit bored with it as well. So I do like to, if, if it's not working for me, I just forget about it. I don't meditate to the point of it's annoying me. You know? that's, that's such a good point because... I used to be rigid, stiff with my um, with my practices. I stay. I was keeping really rigid and like that. You get bored and and then you're ending up. You're doing them to tick them off, but you're not really being present. You're not really tuning into it. And that's what I try to say to people now. It's like play around, like try the different things and whatever's working for you. If it's working for you at that time, stick with it. And when it's when you notice yourself. Um, like that, getting a little bit bored and not being present. Try something else, mix and match. It's there's no fixed thing these days, and maybe there was years ago, but we have access to so much now. You know, so many different teachings, like you said, so yeah. many different practices. Like it's just, it's just about finding. We're, we're wired for boredom. Let's face it, like, you yeah. know, so we're always trying to manage this idea between I need routine because routine makes me sane and, you know, I have some kind of routine. But also we have this thing in psychology, which is called habituation. So, you know, they say it's like 60 days or whatever to make a... Um, to make a habit but it only takes 100 before you get bored you know so you're always switching things up is also good for you you know in terms of it's a bit like i'm sure you guys work out if you did the same thing in the gym all the time at some point you have to do something different to train the muscles in a different way it's the same with our spiritual practice so i always encourage people to spend at least 10 minutes a day doing something to connect to the spiritual part of yourself but whatever that is it doesn't fucking matter you know so just do whatever feels right for yourself yeah, I definitely resonate with that as well because at the moment I'm actually I'm really on the fence at the moment because I remember I was kind of like what you were saying there about mixing it up and I was doing that a lot mixing it up and you know doing what I feel but then I went to this guy who's um, I don't know what he is actually he's a massage therapist Ravi but he's a, just really like a spiritual teacher from from India and he was just like you need to pick a practice and stick to it and you know stick to your meditation practice don't keep changing it's like the mind wants to 
you know, the newness and the change, but he's like, you have to wrestle the mind into submission almost to be like, you know, just do it every day regardless. And I was like, so that's what I've been kind of, I've been doing, like I've been doing Michael Ryan's morning meditations, like, mm-hmm. like an hour, like every morning. Um, but sometimes as Dara said as well, and you said, it's like, I do get bored and I'm like, and I could do my meditation for half an hour and I do a bit of yoga. But once it just becomes so routine, I don't even feel that that like connected to myself. I just feel like, you know, I get into my day, but I don't feel that joy that I feel if I just was more spontaneous and just did a bit of dancing or breathwork or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I feel. So it's like this week I've actually just kind of dropped it, funnily enough, the meditation and just been doing different things. And I've actually had a great week. So it's, yeah, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I suppose the only answer is like what works for you, as we said. Like I'm trying to, I was trying to do his way, like just sticking to something, but it just, you know, it wasn't serving me. So maybe it's like, you know, just listen to your own your body, like yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. It wasn't serving you. So he's probably right for himself. And I'm sure he has plenty of knowledge about the modalities that he uses. But like the biggest thing about spiritual spirituality is about connection. So if yes, you have to be disciplined in terms of, you know, you need to stick to something. You can't just decide twice a year to have a spiritual practice. It has to be ongoing. But if you don't feel connected to it, then there's no point. The idea of spirituality is I connect to myself, so I connect to the universe, you know? So if on any day you're doing your practice and it has become habitual, the connection for you is lost. And that's the most important part that you do. So that's why, and I I was like, this morning I just couldn't get into it. So I just got up and danced to some mantra music for 10 minutes, you know? So, but was I connected to myself at the end of it? Absolutely, you know? So, So you have to get the practice right between, I commit to doing it, which is the discipline that he's talking about, but I listen to myself and what, what I need on this particular day to be present with myself, which is really what spiritual practice is about. And Abraham Maslow would have said that as well, that, you know, that, spirituality it doesn't matter how you do it it matters that it it is meaningful for you meaningful for you mm. and i'm just curious actually about your your coaching so you you coach purpose-led business um leaders and what do you bring into your coaching around spirituality because i'm sure there's lots of them that are very you know driven and practical and how do, how do you bridge that gap and have you seen people really taking it on like in their own way or like how, how do you kind of bring it into your coaching? Well, I suppose I would be a big believer as in it's up to the coachee what they want to bring into the coaching, you know, so it's not up for me to project it. Now, naturally, most people who come to me for coaching, so I tend to attract two different people, which is purpose led business leaders or people who are interested in how can I be more whole? I want to express all of who I am. How do I integrate myself in terms of wholeness? They're unlikely to come knocking on my door unless they have an interest in these topics. So I suppose that's the first thing. But I do have coachees who knew me from my previous life who would say that they don't really have an interest in spirituality and I always say to them that's up to you to decide if you want to explore it and I will support you through that but I otherwise you're just getting into religion which is I think that you should be interested in spirituality which is I think that to be clear in my own beliefs 
I think if you ignore the spiritual part of yourself, the person who's hungry is you. Um, but it's not up to me to project that on, onto clients, if you like. Where it does come into my coaching is clients are often exploring it like I was myself. So, you know, I often get clients who come to me in mid-age and they say, you know, I've been working really hard and, you know, I've tried to set up a life for myself. And now I realize I'm ignoring parts of who I am. And whether they call it spirituality or not, that's actually spirituality it means that you know my spirit is undernourished there are parts of myself that i'm ignoring and then the coaching as you would know from being a coach yourself it just goes the natural way the client wants it to go and i support that conversation given i have expertise in in the topic but never would i introduce the topic to the client unless they bring it to me first because i suppose my to give you an idea, my my research was called What Does Spirituality Mean to You? And my online course is called What Does Spirituality Mean to You? So my ethos is all back on you. It's a bit like the spiritual practice. I'm not going to prescribe for you. Will I help you try and figure it out for yourself? Absolutely. But I'm very much into the autonomy of every single individual to connect and cultivate that part of themselves directly. So kind of a, a long answer to your question, but I suppose just to explain how, how I work with it, but also my ethos around it, that spirituality is about you defining it for yourself. And I was just thinking, um, in terms of, I, I read that you, you're actually on the a program in UCLA for women, the next 50 global leaders. Um, and, and I suppose, what did you see there in terms of the type of other women that were there and do you see this rise in the feminine that's happening now and how do you see your own place in that and your role as as a woman yourself um well, that was in 2015 so i was still working in investment so i was basically for your listeners i give them a very short it's basically a program that runs every year and they pick 50 women from around the world with the idea of cultivating them and their business acumen so we can have a greater pipeline of female leaders it was at a very different time in my life so i think i'd find it hard to um compare it to where i am now um, in terms of female empowerment i guess i am a woman and probably a strong woman people would describe me as that so i'm definitely use my voice a lot i'm not afraid to say things that i believe to be true um do i use it within a business i suppose i just try and be myself my whole self as much as possible and that involves the divine feminine as well like you know so i am a very expressive person i try to be a very connected person i try to integrate my whole self and that's where i think feminine that kind of divine feminine arises within myself um, and what I definitely try to do is write and speak about it where it fits into it, what I want to do but do I think that I suppose the UCLA program I spoke it was just such a, such a different time in my life I don't even think that we would have discussed it at that time it's interesting watching women in business in general it can that kind of discussion doesn't necessarily come up it's underlying it of course which is the rise of you know greater participation from women across the globe but that language isn't used which i think is is quite interesting does that answer your question yeah definitely yeah. it is interesting i suppose that you were kind of were in that before you came on this path um and i think like we've talked about before um we had Laura Murphy on the podcast as well, and we talked. Yeah, I listened to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm just really interested. Like, we wanted to bring more women on to really talk about that. Like, how do we? I suppose the podcast is primarily aimed towards men, so it's like, how can we, you know, support? Like, I suppose nurture the feminine, feminine within ourselves. Within and yourself, yeah, yeah. Women, um, in, 
or like how do we you know do that in society because obviously at the minute it's very masculine so how do we tip the balance back and what kind of role should should men play in that too so i would share some of what laura said you know i think integration is the key so from both men and women and then i get on to i suppose where it plays out particularly it's hard it can be harder for men we both all need to integrate our masculine and feminine and that was something i had to do it in myself because i had a very overactive masculine because i worked in a very masculine environment in a masculine world which basically told me that was the best part of myself and that's why i get so much joy now about writing and speaking and things that are naturally expressive and i feel much more connected to that part of myself but actually to become a whole person even as a woman i have to integrate both my masculine and feminine so my masculine traits help me run a business they help me drive they have you know my my purpose and ambition probably sits in that part of myself but they are so much more supportive because i have embraced my own feminine aspects much more and um, so i would totally concur with what laura said that it's about harmony and wholeness and integration rather than one or the other i think from a male perspective it's probably easier for me and maybe you guys giving me your perspective to say i was embracing my own feminine aspects more in the world that might be more socially acceptable if you like um but i actually think that that's the starting point for how men turn up in the world in a better way is again wholeness and integration and bringing the two together and as you guys are great examples of this, as is Michael Ryan, if you do that, you naturally turn up in the world in a better way. You're naturally speaking about these things. And the world can only be better when we have more people doing that. Yeah, that's a brilliant answer. And I think I I just did a, a weekend there last month with the Mankind Project. And it's all about, it's like a rite of, rite of passage for men. And it is really the integration of it's integration of the shadow, but also that feminine aspect of ourselves as well as the masculine, because I think Martin Duffy mentioned it on the last podcast as well, that there's within men as well today, there's a lack of those masculine traits as well as the feminine. It's well, it's the, the wounded masculine more than the real, you know, the authentic divine masculine. So it's, yeah, it's definitely nurturing both. And I think, for me anyway, just having done that weekend last month, it was a real eye opener in terms of even how much more work I still have to do myself in terms of my own, because I'm quite good at actually expressing my feminine side and masculine, mm -hmm. or sorry, the masculine is was actually slightly suppressed. So I'm kind of trying to bring that out in a healthy way as well. Um, but I myself am just finding myself being really pulled towards helping other men do that. At the yeah, minute. yeah. Helping them. Yeah, just kind of understand themselves more and tap into those both sides to become more balanced and as you said that is the only i think that's the only place to start from to be I, better in the world is to start with yourself and your yeah yeah and like it's really hard and i find it really hard i find the pe my internal pendulum swings one direction or the other and this trying to be like completely integrated and have the right balance i have not achieved that yet so i really admire anybody who does please like email me and tell me how you've done it because no matter what environment i'm in i find this pull people want me to behave in a certain way you know if i'm in one environment you know they might consider me too spiritual if i'm in another environment they might consider me too business orientated like you know so i'm always trying to come back to my own inner compass about like you know how do these parts of me integrate it's different from you it's different from anybody else you know but how do they integrate for me and i still can't get it quite right but i sit with the intention that i'm trying to bring my most authentic self 
to my work, to my person, to my life, to my relationships all the time. Mm. And that is about, you know, how can I do that in a very unwounded way? But honestly, it's still a practice for me all the time. And I still tend to sometimes walk away from things thinking, oh, I don't think I quite was myself there. So why wasn't I quite myself? Like, you know, so it's interesting that I research and speak about authenticity, but I still struggle with it myself all the time. But the work is always the inner work. I mean, somebody asked me last week, what's my aspiration for my own work and stuff? And I always say that I want to inspire and empower people to express their whole selves because people who can work towards and achieve that come together to make healthy societies. So back to your original question. Sorry, I've been waffling a bit about it, but back to your original question. What can men do? Do the inner work. You will naturally turn up in a better way in, in the thing. But I wouldn't just say that about men. I would say that about women. Mm. Like they, when I look at like wounded masculine and wounded feminine, I think, Jesus, at different points, I was embodying both of those things. Like, you know, it wasn't that I had like, you know, a very healthy masculine and a, and a wounded feminine. I think at one point I had both a wounded masculine and a wounded feminine. And that's no good to the world either as a woman. So I had to heal those aspects of myself and then bring them into harmony as a world or, you know, how can I live, how can my inner being be more harmonious? I use that word a lot. So how can I bring them together in a better way? Um, and that's just doing the inner work, using different modalities, getting to know yourself better. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying there really resonated. That trying to get the balance. It's incredibly difficult. Like the analogy, an analogy was coming to my mind and it was like you have a seesaw and you have for example the masculine on one side the feminine on the other side and i feel like i'm just kind of running across it trying to keep it balanced, <laughs> not let one side fall over and get stuck yeah yeah you know, that's kind of the way i feel a lot of the time but that's fine because like you said it's a process it's a process yeah. and, and with it like there is no destination so that took massive pressure off me because I kept thinking, okay, I'll go on this retreat and then, and I'll complete this course and I'll do this and then I'll be as calm as I need to be or whatever it was. And it was like, that's such an insane pressure to put on yourself and very unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to happen. No, exactly. And, and, and there's another thing you said there, coming away from a situation and being like, why did I not, was I not authentic there? That happens to me quite a bit, especially if I... If I'm in an environment that I would have been in years ago, yeah, or around certain groups, and I was doing saying this to someone the other day, they might be talking about something or cracking a joke about this, and and I laugh at it even though I, I don't. don't, really, don't yeah, yeah. And then I walk away and I'm like, "Damn, you fucking asshole! Like, why couldn't you kind of stand up for who you are now and 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 not laugh or or not agree or not engage in that?" Yeah, yeah, you know? and. And for a long time, I was kind of beating myself up for that because it's not an easy thing to do. Mm. It keeps coming back to this being kind to yourself when you don't exactly act how you want to act. Just be kind. It's again, it's an old, it's an old pattern. It's, it's again, keeping you safe. Not, um, sometimes you don't want to be sticking out too much for, for that reason, for like stand up. And it's, it's, it's deep within you to, be part of the group that you're in totally we all want to belong yeah so it's like it's not it's not easy to, to to put yourself in a situation where you might get a bit of backlash or whatever yeah and um yeah it's it's just that it's, whole be kind to yourself 
no matter what. Yeah. No matter what the mistake, no matter what it was, because my journey at the moment is really bringing me deep back to when I was three, four years old. I've realized that it was then that mm. I started the self-abuse on myself. Yeah. Back at that age and created this cage of hatred around myself that I just kept feeding. And it was verbally abusive, physically abusive for a long time. Just, and it was all me. It was all me doing this. And even though I got that awareness, because I'm aware I'm still doing it on a, on a much more subtle level, you know, um, I still do it because I just ask myself, I've just been noticing when I, when I make a mistake or I mess up, what way am I speaking to myself? And I'm still very negative. So mm -hmm. I'm, still, I'm still adding to that, but I'm aware of it now. Mm -hmm. So it's like coming back to just trying to be kind to yourself. Yeah. I've spoken with a few people about this and, and most people resonate. Yeah. Like we would not speak to really anybody the way we actually speak to ourselves. You know, and it's like, yeah. um, it's just been a massive, massive eye opener for me just to, to realize I created my own reality. Totally, totally yeah. created. There's no one else to blame. And I'm not blaming myself either. Mm -hmm. No one to blame. It's just, what can I do now? to unlearn what I have ingrained in myself. Yeah. And it comes back to kindness all the yeah. time. Kindness. There's so much there that, that you've said that I want to pick up on. The first thing is self-compassion is the key to all of this work because it is forever. And I always say that self-compassion has changed my life because I am able to be more compassionate to myself, as you've described, but it also means that I'm kinder to other people. I give them a free pass when they get it wrong because we all get it wrong all the time, like, you know? And the second thing is we always want to belong, but the bit, one of the big transformations in my work was I realized that I have never really felt like I belonged. Back to being, being a very small child. So, you know, at the start, Cormac, you asked me about, did you trust your intuition? But I never really felt like I fit in. So then you think you're wrong and the world is right. So the biggest thing that I've, made has made me more authentic is I now accept that I don't feel like I fully belong because I think that that's how we all feel and then we're constantly trying to mold ourselves into what it should be so for me I always see there's a compromise between authenticity and belonging um, and that I accept that and what I try to do is belong to myself as much as possible, because then I can deal with the situations where I don't fully feel like I belong. Or as you said, Daryl, you're in a situation where you're like, oh, I don't feel authentic, often because of environmental issues, because the other person is, is, is trying to pull you to be a different version of yourself that you don't want to be. But I just really accept that that's the reality of life now. I'm writing a piece at the moment about how I basically had to go off social media for a few weeks because I could see it starting to filter into my writing, that I was writing something and I was thinking, this is bullshit. Like, She's like, wait, who is writing this? Like, but I realized that my environment, I, I felt like I should be writing it this way. And I actually just was like, get away from everything, get off social media, delete it all and start again. But it was like, you know, so there's always that tension between who does the world want us to be and who do we want to be? And how do we manage that? And that's an ongoing process that I think I'm going to be dealing with forever. 
And like you, I now have just given myself a complete free pass. I am going to be working on this shit for the rest of my life, you know, but I find that I, I'm better at it than I was five years ago. Like sometimes I pull out journals and I see what I was journaling about five years ago and I'm like, oh my God, I'm still talking about that now, you know, but I'm talking about it in a much more informed way about myself. Like I understand that part of myself better now so I can interact with it. And then you, you have the beauty and the joy of the day to day, you know, when you go on a retreat and you're like, wow, I just discovered that about myself you know that embrace it as something that you do for yourself that you nurture yourself but as soon as you start setting expectations that you know this is a two-year process and it'll be finished that's the wounded masculine like you know I've set a target for myself and I have to hit it as opposed to the purpose of my life is to fully explore and express all of who I can be so it is going to take me a lifetime that's the idea you know so but definitely I've had to learn I've had to learn all of these things myself which is why the night you saw me speaking on Michael's mentorship I was having a bad week that week and the best thing that happened to me was I had to prepare for that talk because it just reminded me I'm still a student of my own work you know and just to bring myself back to that all the time and there's such self-compassion and forgiveness in that that I'm just trying my best and I'm not perfect you know yeah, that, that resonates a lot with me. I'm s still, I'm very driven by these, yeah, like Daryl said, like targets of like this time next year, I'll have all these qualifications and I'll be, you know, the best coach or the best speaker or whatever it is, but it's, or like, you know, heal, I've healed all this stuff. But yeah, it's like, I was actually on a call last night with the Mankind Project. It's like a, we do these integration calls once a week after the yeah. event and, uh, we were doing a, like a kind of some shadow work and I basically got to this root belief that it was like a memory from back in primary school and something I never even thought about before that it affected me but it was basically a girl said to me oh you're too you're not chatty enough or something for mm -hmm. you know to go on a date with this girl or something like that and I was like I'm scared. <laughs> in primary yeah I know I was like I don't know what we're doing going on dates at 11 but um it was like something about seeing this other girl and she was like you're not oh no you're not chatty enough for her so that i internalized that as in i have to be chatty to be attractive to girls mm. um, i only realized this last night i was like holy shit and it, now that i look back in my life it's like i i always like i was naturally more quiet and mm. like, i'd be a good listener i'd be a really good listener because of that but i always tried to be the loudest one in the room or you know Mm. my other friends who were being chatty and therefore disconnected from who i really was like what you're saying about authenticity i was trying to be something for the world that i thought mm. i needed to be instead of just being okay with you know being that quiet boy but i suppose as we said as well i know like even last night i went back as my older self to revisit that situation and i was there with the younger boy and just kind of telling him like it's okay mm. to be quiet because you know girls would actually probably appreciate that more if you actually just listen to them instead of trying to, mm. you know, show off. And then also I was forgive the little boy for, for like, you know, changing himself to fit in because I was like, he was just protecting himself at the time, you know, he didn't want to be left out on his own, like talking about what you said about belonging. So he made yeah. a sacrifice to, be, to belong instead of being fully authentic and that, that's okay. But it's like now I can go back as my adult self and, you know, heal that. Healing. which yeah. like obviously was still you know not fully healed but uh so i just was like i was blown away it was actually quite a simple like step-by-step -step process but it was mm -hmm. so powerful and i took me back there and i was like 
I even told my girlfriend about it last night because I was, I can see it now. I think the more you do the work on yourself, the more detached you become from the, these mm-hmm. things. Even as I was doing the process, I was kind of smirking to myself, like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this is, you know, mm-hmm. this is a belief I still have. And um, so I, I did feel sort of sense of detachment from the whole thing because I know that's not me. It's just my belief. So I think mm-hmm. like I've done a lot of like, gone through a lot of different limiting beliefs over the past couple of years and i suppose it's just the more you do it the more you realize you know you don't attach stories to it or you know you know that you're you're more than your beliefs and your yeah. so it's it's that that allows you to keep going on the journey i think mm-hmm. otherwise very it's beautiful work and it allows you to be more authentic this is yeah. interesting listening to you because i have the opposite problem i always worry that i'm too much because people told me that i was too expressive you know so my thing particularly when i meet new people is that you know i tend to go hi oh, how's it going la 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 and i just like you know i would talk a lot and then i almost have this hangover afterwards going oh my god like you know fiona shut up you know and so i have this vulnerability about being too much which comes up for me all the time when i'm doing healing work that that's st- no matter how expressive i become i still think oh god was i too much that's a kind of a, a, a an internal wound i have or that i am too intense was another thing that people used to tell me which i also think was why 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 did i not go off and research spirituality and authenticity 20 years ago because i was afraid of my own intensity because people told me there was something wrong with that where now with the benefit of age and my own research i think jesus like who are you if you don't have a rich inner life you know like that's just so fundamental to who you are but little tiny comments that kids can make and listen we're all assholes when we're teenagers as well i'm sure there's somebody else somewhere who says like i said something to them when i was 15 and you know that wounded them so i mean this not to anybody who said anything to me because I'm sure I did the same thing but we just ingest it as truth you know and part of the healing work is to go back and say you're perfect exactly as you are and actually those things that maybe triggered someone else are part of your gift you know they're part of what you need to heal to you know so I had to heal that part of myself to do this work but this is the work that I'm supposed to do so there's there's there is a real gift in the wound I think if, if we can go there and we can heal it and we can do our own work well so um, but that was sorry just to acknowledge that was such a beautiful practice for you to do last night and yeah. and you and others benefit from that yeah exactly because even it was five of us in a little breakout room and like everyone watching the process and he gets their own healing in some way like some other fellow did the process that i was watching and i was you know he was nearly doing the work for me as well so yeah it's for me it's it's so powerful just doing it in in those community yeah like, yeah doing it together and um, because it can really help you know when you're going alone it's much harder and sometimes you need to do work on your own but sure together as well as really power too. Yeah, I think community is great for integration as well, because there's a validation for your experience and you get to say it out loud, which, you know, certainly in my case, often when I say things out loud, it makes me cry. Like, you know, so that kind of that pain is released from my body and it's supported and helped by the people that are around me. Um, but I think we have to learn to say these things out loud because they're the part of ourselves that we tried to hide because someone told us not to do that. So for me, community work and, and kind of you know, sharing circles or whatever are just so fundamental to even if you're doing work on your own, you have to bring those to the light as well. So Yeah, definitely. Like yeah. just to speak things out loud. Yeah. Um and it really helps make sense of things. Yes. Yeah. You know, just instead of 
even journaling. Journaling's the same. It's getting the it's making more sense of it, putting it into Yeah, it's getting out of your head. Yeah. yeah. We need we need I know structure's not good all the time, but we need sometimes like just to structure the thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You know, because otherwise they can really swim around and you might not get the the proper meaning from them. That's what I found anyway. Um like you were saying, those wounded parts of yourself, they are a gift. One hundred percent. One hundred percent are and and when you can go back and heal them, like you said, the people around you, the people in your life are going to benefit from that. Yeah. You know, and it's like, like Cormac said, that's a very powerful thing to do. And I've heard about a lot of people, Michael Ryan was talking about it, going back to meet that younger self. Mm-hmm. And that's what I know I have to do. But that younger part of myself, I haven't even seen what he looks like yet. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't showed himself to me. I don't think that part of me is ready. Yeah. You know, and that's fine because now I am totally aware of what I, how I traumatized myself. Yeah. Like yeah. I traumatized myself. And I understand that it's maybe now that the awareness is there, it's like, okay, whenever that's ready to happen, it will happen. But I don't feel it's, it's gotten me now to, to be aware, to be, to be more kind to myself. Yes. So the, the massive healing in just, knowing about it before I even get to go back there and um and it goes back to what you were saying earlier on about pace and this is forever if there is a really wounded part of yourself and you try to push that process you will re-traumatize yourself like you know so you have to almost allow that inner child within you to come to you when they're ready to 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 talk to you effectively like you know that part of yourself needs to needs to to feel going back to what you were saying earlier on needs to feel safe enough to, to show itself and to come together. And that's why healing work can take so long, depending on, on, on what has happened to us. And as well, I think you said something at the start. Well, the, the memory, the thought that it brought up for me was putting the pieces together. Yeah. There's things that happened like months and a couple of years ago that are only coming together now. Yeah. You know, it's like all these little pieces of the puzzle kind of come together and you'll understand that and then more pieces come in and might add to that part or it might be a new thing like it's it's just all pieces do you yeah. know and then moments when things do come together yeah it's it's fucking beautiful yeah that's when you meet god now you have like you literally have one of those moments where you're like oh thank god i figured this out yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it's like i think one of the biggest things for me and other people i've spoken to is being able to embrace when you're in the shit yeah, yeah. and 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 look at it in in a good way that's all like now i had heard that so many times so it's not really something that you can just tell someone to do i think there's just going to be maybe a, hopefully a moment in your life where you're you're in one of those situations yeah. and you change your perspective yeah yeah I haven't figured that out yet, Daryl. So honestly, if you figure it out, please email me and let me know. I resist it every time. So mm-hmm. I know now, now I know, okay, I'm in the shitter and this is like, I feel like I'm just contracting and I'm obviously working through something. And I know on the other side is freedom, usually greater creativity. If you see me write something very profound, I've usually been in hell the week before, you know, just trying to figure out this or I can't make sense of it or, you know, I'm trying to to pass by it. 
Um, and I know that greater freedom, creativity, the whole lot is on the other side. I will still try and hold on to control in the moment, you know. So even though, and I'm even saying to myself, like, I think I said this that night, Cormac, I'm like, let go, let go, like, you know, just surrender to this. Yeah. And I still find it hard. So I think it's very human to seek control in those moments. Definitely. What, what, what I have been doing, if something is coming up or if I'm in a state of, what do you want to like, say anxiety for, for the day? And I'm like, what is going What I've started to do is drop whatever I'm doing, mm. sit down, scan my body. Where mm -hmm. am I feeling this? Mm -hmm. Where am I feeling this? And just sit there and breathe into that space. Yeah. Until either the anxiety is gone or I get a realization. Exactly. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is. And keep doing that. Yeah. Keep doing that when things keep coming up. That's what I have found to work. And that's the thing. That might not work for someone else. Exactly. You know, yeah. that might not work for someone else. I was, it was a woman I'm doing a mentorship with. I said that on a call once and yeah. it just happened to work for me. Work for you, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, Which goes back to the kind of almost what we were talking about at the start. You have to experiment with your spiritual practice until you figure out what works for you, you know? Like, certainly for me, when I was doing healing work, sometimes, you know, you'd have those days where you think, Jesus, I'm feeling a bit anxious. And my natural thing was, how do I get rid of this, you know? Where actually now I realize, like, some um, embracing the feminine in me is realizing that she likes to feel more than I have typically done the rest of my life. So it's actually learning to sit with all of my feelings, the spectrum of them, and they want to be a bigger part of me. So if I I want to integrate my own feminine i have to be willing to feel more so i need to expand my bandwidth to feel and that was a big realization for me because i was just thinking how do i get rid of this this doesn't feel nice like you know but actually what i need to do is is hold on and embrace that because that's how i feel more and like you know creativity writing speaking they they come from feeling so if i want to be very good at the things i do i have to become a bigger container for my feelings which are good and bad you know so that that was a realization for me that i wasn't just always trying to get rid of it maybe i'm actually trying to stay with it maybe it's trying to make it's a part of me to i need to accept rather than to try and get rid of as well yes definitely yeah, that's a brilliant point it's like if you don't allow yourself to feel those really low lows then you'll yeah. never feel the highs it's exactly like, yeah, the thing we're doing like if you look at the arc we're doing stuff with the archetypes in the men's work and it's like yeah. the gateway emotion they have gateway emotions so the gateway emotion to love or archetype is grief so it's like yeah. the only way to love is through grief and sure um so it's just for me as well it's i think even myself i'm kind of quick to try and yeah fix how do i fix this anxiety or whatever like, yeah, yeah. but it, i probably don't do as much as daryl does is just sit in it but um because it's hard yeah you know? i i'm definitely no practice queen myself i try and do it better all the time but the initial reaction is always like shit how do i get rid of this like you know it feels bad and then i have to talk myself into the practice then um and i think it's hard for well, it's hard for everybody but i think being able to like you know saying i need to get through my grief to love more and um, being able to name the actual emotion that we're in and particularly for men where you know it's it's acceptable to be angry but not in grief you know so and, and anger is often the thing that's before grief which is before love like you know so i think being able to name them within ourselves is just so powerful in terms of how we can control them and own them then so yes. um, but it's not easy work it is absolutely not it's, it's much easier to say i'm on a personal development path and i do x y and z than to actually sit in the shit and do it you know and i'm actually curious fiona yeah you talked about you know that 
connection to God? Like, how do you get that connection to, like, some people don't like to use the word God. Yeah, yeah. Like oneness or nature or whatever it is for you. Like, how do you get that connection yourself? Like, how do you find that? Because I, I know myself, it's like, you can be doing this work, but you kind of need moments in between where you really feel that connectedness to really remember mm. why you're doing it. So how do yeah, you do yeah. Um, so I, and I'd acknowledge that everybody, I never used to like the word God myself and I've healed that part of myself. Like I always feel like I've reclaimed that word. So I typically call it the universe or source or life or whatever, but I've become more comfortable using the word God because it's kind of universal. Like, you know, it's, mm. it was hijacked by religions and a lot of us became disconnected to it because of that. Um, and when I interviewed people, often they use two or more terms when they talked about a higher power. Um, so I would say to people, it doesn't matter what you call it, but I totally get it. It is still triggering for people when um, when you use the word God, but that's not the question you ask me. In terms of how do I achieve, for me, what it feels like, and, and when I interview people, they always say this, that God is not outside of ourselves or the universe. It's in us. It's an embodied connection within ourselves. And for me, what I need to do is how do I open my heart more? Um, so when I think about this, I'm I'm like, how do I get beyond using a, a emotive language? How do I get beyond the fear of opening my heart? Because there's been so many things throughout my life, whether it's somebody telling me I'm intense or somebody telling me I'm too much or just plain old heartbreak, that it encourages you to block your heart and to live out of your head. Um, and the metaphor I always use for myself is, Fiona, you have a choice. You can live in the shitty one bed apartment in your head or you can live in the mansion that's your body. So I'm always trying to get in and open. And if I can do that and open my heart, that's where I get the biggest feeling of connectedness. And that's what I think God is like. You're looking away. How do I open myself up fully to myself and to the universe, if you like? Um, and how I have achieved it most times is true. The most profound experience I ever had was in it was in nature and I was on retreat in Morocco and we had to do a solo experience um, where um, we basically fasted, which I find fasting quite good because I can't ignore how I feel like food is kind of therapy for me, you know, so if I fast, then I can't ignore how, I can't like eat a bar of chocolate to make it go away. So I fasted for 20, 12 hours before we went out and then we spent 12 hours on our own in different parts of the um, thing and I remember. It was literally like somebody turned on the, a light in my heart. You know, I just felt I remember sitting on a rock and there was a kind of a, a oasis down below me. It's very arid Morocco. And just there was the light was sparkling on it. And I just felt like I am wide fucking open to the universe. And it was one of the most profound experiences of my life. And it was when I came back from that that retreat, I decided to go and research spirituality. It was like, this is what connectedness feels like. And the world needs more of it. And I want to understand spirituality and I want to create pathways for people to reconnect with their spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, so even sometimes I've never had it quite so strong, but a lot of time in nature, I hike a lot and it's that mountaintop experience as in I open myself up without any fear to myself and to the world around me. Um, what I had to learn then as well, sorry, again, another long answer. And here I am apologizing for expressing myself too much. Um, <laughs> I take it with me everywhere um but what i've had to learn is you can't live in those moments of connectedness you know you have to you go there you experience what life could feel like if you lived with an open heart and you lived in complete love every day but that's not the reality of what life is you need to take those moments and you need to integrate them which is why i'm such a fan of integrative work you need to integrate them 
back into your daily life and so that every day you live with a heart that's slightly more open. And it's the same with, I know I've heard you guys speak about um, psychedelic work and stuff like that as well. It's the same idea, you know, that you will, you shut down the rational brain, you achieve clarity or connectedness or whatever it is, but then you have to go back to how do I integrate this into my day-to-day -day life? And um, so for me, it has happened to me in different modalities. Obviously, breath work helps and stuff like that. That was my most profound moment. You know, I always, I think about that when I think, you know, how do I want to live? Um, but then it's the day-to-day -day little moments. Maybe it's connection with somebody else. And I'm just always trying to scrape back the, the wounds on the heart and open it more so I can live in that, in that sense of connection. And that's what oneness or connection is. And it starts, going back to what we were saying earlier on, was we have to connect to ourselves. We have to heal the wounds. Otherwise, the heart won't open wide enough to connect with the world around us, whether that's nature, God, your girlfriend, somebody else, it doesn't, or humanity in general, which is the idea behind oneness. But the work goes back to why can't I be like that most of the time? And then the more I do it, and definitely my sense of connectedness to the world just grows and grows and grows. I don't achieve it every day. I don't feel it every day. But the knock on effect in terms of my 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 personal relationships has been huge. Um, so there's multiple ways. It all goes back to what's your spiritual practice? What are you doing to heal yourself? And then how are you trying to do heart centered work? So one of the criticisms I have of mindfulness is it's like, you know, breathe in and out and like, you know, calm your mind but for me what I'm really trying to do is open my heart you know and, and it's my mind that's getting in my rational mind getting in the way of that all the time so any practice I do I'm often trying to breathe into the body how do I be more in the body how can I as I say, live in the mansion of my body rather than the the shitty studio apartment in my head and to get into that space all the time and then I'm just always trying different things because like yourself some days I'll try something that has worked for me 20 times before and I can't access myself through it. So I have to try something else. And that could be just like this morning I went for a walk in my dad's garden and, you know, I was just wandering around looking at stuff. And it's just like, how can I ground myself? I was in my bare feet doing it. So I'm just always different ways. And then I think that you have to have a few big events every year, whether that's mm -hmm. I went away and I did a men's circle or I went away and I did a retreat where you're doing a bit deeper work in, in community as well. And all that's just helping the heart to open more and more. So that was a really long answer, but hopefully it that's made good. some sense. <laughs> There's something you said there that was very good um, yeah. with the meditation. Yeah. The, instead of just trying to calm the mind, I went to um, I met a bloke last week who very much humbled me. Um, I went to... <laughs> it's always to... good. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, and it has left me contemplating a lot since. Yeah. I went to start something last week, and I met with the guy, and he was asking me what I was doing, and he just goes, I'm going to be blunt with you. You're doing far too much. Yeah. You commit to this. And I was like, I didn't even argue. I was, you know, I wasn't going to. And he, he kind of went into a few things. And he asked me what I thought meditation was. And then he turned around and said, meditation is about concentration and contemplation. Mm. So he used the analogy with a, with a flower pot. But then he said to me, when you go home, first concentrate on yourself. So your body, draw the outline in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then contemplate what that can provide. Mm -hmm to others, to the world, to yourself. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, 
it's it's pretty crazy the kind of things that come into your mind mm. you know as in um what you like i've been doing it a couple of mornings i haven't stayed consistent with it yet so i really want to because um i have a morning breath rock routine so i'm going to start doing it in some of the breath holes because i sure. find that a very powerful place to be and it was just like little things were coming to me what i could do for the people that i'm living with and stuff and it's like the effect that that's having, do you know, it's just, and it's just coming from contemplating what I can provide, do you know, it was, it was such a good thing because for a long time I was just not trying to clear my mind because I know that doesn't happen, but I just found that an incredibly powerful thing to do because yeah. it can only really, well, from what I've seen, have benefits, do you know, it's like, and when you have those moments where you are contemplating yourself like that, you're just so much more likely to take action that day. Yeah. You know, you're just so much more likely to do it and to step into who you want to be or what you want to do. And it was, just a, great, it was a great realization. And yeah. also him just being bluntly, like he wouldn't let me do the class, you know? Um, and that was cool. Yeah. 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 He was really like, nah, you're doing far too much. Um, and that's why he told me about that meditation. He goes, go and contemplate. Yeah. Yeah contemplate and he, he said it's not a definite no but he's like come back to me at some time when you have contemplated what it is you want to do and i think he's right i am doing a lot at the moment and it's fine yeah. but to take on something like that yeah, yeah would have been too much and he's seen it straight away yeah which is great we need more yeah, people yeah. like that you know who's yeah, able because yeah. he's actually reflecting back to you a need that he sees in you as well so yeah yeah it was um he picked up everything so quick. It was very like when I hopped into the car because I was like, mm. I thought I was meant to meet someone after. I was like, I'll be finished this thing at this time. And, yeah, and yeah. I was 15 minutes later driving home and I was, I was in a daze. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was, it was nice to be humbled like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, instead of um, him just like, cause most people would just be like, Oh yeah, come on in or whatever. Do you know, it was, yeah, it was yeah. just, no, yeah, I, I did find it very, very beneficial to be humbled. And, yeah. and yeah, He's touched on a point that I really like. I think one of the underused words when it comes to meditation and mindfulness is contemplation. Meditation and mindfulness are a form of contemplation, you know? So when we go back to what's at the root of spirituality, it's connection. How do you achieve connection through contemplation? Like, you know, so like, so prayer, breath work, nature, all of these are modalities of contemplation. And I think that that's a word that we don't use enough. Like, you know, why are we meditating? because we're contemplating life we're contemplating ourselves like you know so he he really served you by pointing that out to you i think in terms of your own your own practice um, definitely. Yeah. definitely yeah yeah and i'm nearly oh well not over contemplating but it's it's i noticed myself when i started to contemplate yeah trying to push things away because maybe i don't want to accept that maybe i should actually drop a couple of things yeah yeah you know it's but if again it comes back then to, to to actually just listening to yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, mean, and, I think when we're on the journey, we can think that, you know, more action is always great, but actually less is always more. Like, because there's more a big practice for me is how do I create space, not only in my life, but in my mind and my heart. Because then I can see more of what's already there rather than trying to, you know, have more spiritual practices or do more retreat work or whatever. How can I create space to just access what's already there? 
yes. we fear it, you know, because you're afraid of what comes up as well. Like, you know, yeah. there's a fear there. It's much easier to go over here and say, I'm just going to journal more. I'm going to meditate more. But contemplation is really about like, you know, am I brave enough to have the courage to create space in my life to see what's there? And that's again, it's difficult work, you know, so that's why mm-hmm. thing. But I even the way you're talking about it, I'm like, that's that's powerful work that you've been doing on that in the last week, you know, in terms of you're still thinking about it. So it's it's really impacted you. Yeah, yeah, massively, massively. Just a fifteen-minute conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think when you're like, like ourselves, like really getting into this stuff, there's so many things you could be doing that you you want to do them all. I mean, of course. The of, I'm the same. I'm like just, you know, cut down, make more space. As you said, Fiona, because I, the last couple of weeks, I've been just doing so many different things that it's like I have time, but my attention is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's on so many different things that I, I feel I can't go deep enough with, you know, my own practice sometimes. Yeah. So it's, it's just clearing that space. And as you said, less is more, and you, get, you know, go deeper rather than just shallow. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the case of deeper rather than more. And like, we've all in our own way talked about the importance of integration tonight. Mm-hmm. Integration does not happen when we're moving at speed. Integration happens when we stop, you know, when we acknowledge, you know, maybe a new insight or something like that. But and I, I suffer from this myself. I have this constant thing where I'm always trying to be slower and constantly speeding up, like, you know, so like, but often, again, Daryl, you talked about earlier on how the pieces come together. Often for me, when I slow down, something that I thought I realized six months ago, I'm like, oh no, actually this, it's a bigger thing that I actually, I hadn't realized the other half of it because I hadn't taken the time to slow down. So that's why, I mean, nature is such a good contemplative practice because we, we do slow down when we're in nature. but there's there's there are no prizes to be won for doing this work really fast because the power is when we stop and integrate because then that's how we live on a day-to-day basis um, and that is definitely something that i am still I, I just think it's it's the one thing i have to learn over and over again is is be more slow like you know slow, slow down yeah. and then that's when the that's when the most powerful work happens but i'm like the worst student of my own uh, like I, I i write about it all the time because i'm constantly trying to educate myself to do it and i'm i'm this is something that i just continue to spiral but when i do it it's the most powerful thing in the world most powerful thing in the world so when you talk about spiritual practices, how can you embrace slowness into your day? I think that that's a really powerful practice, you know, whether it's a five minute walk around the garden or, you know, what, how am I, how am I contemplating in a slow way rather than, because I, I think that that's more powerful than an hour's breath work, you know, in terms of how am I creating that space? So, but again, not getting it right myself. So, <laughs> but trying my best, trying my best. That's it though. It's just being in the process of doing it. Yeah. But I, I've definitely found myself nature now is really starting to call to me personally as my, my own guide. Um, obviously, you know, you sit with yourself, but I think you can learn a lot from just sitting with nature, which I'm only realizing recently. I was at a shamanic practitioner weekend there in Dunderry Park. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we were recommended to do was just go and it's like a mini vision quest, I suppose, just go and sit with a tree or something. And yeah. I just similar actually, to what that, i did in morocco yeah yes and mm. actually i love that description it was such a beautiful sound like such a beautiful experience but mm. yeah, i could really, feel it yeah i could really feel it like i was there actually when you were saying mm. it but uh mine it was at night time i did this on saturday night there and it wasn't like a connection with god but it was just the the tree was kind of telling me to lie down mm. in, like it was like pitch dark so it was kind of like it's scared like you know the fear was there but it was just telling me to lie down 
So I had my yoga mat and I just lay on the ground and it was like telling me to close my eyes and mm-hmm. surrender. You know what we talked about? Surrender. Yeah. It's like surrender to me. You know, these are just voices in my head, but I knew it was coming from somewhere. Or are they? Or are they? Is the oh, yeah. You know, I think <laughs> why not be open to it? You know, I think. Well, it was. Yeah, yeah, the voices were coming, I felt, from, you know, nature or the trees yeah. or whatever. But, you know, this is what it was telling me to do. So I just lay there and closed my eyes. And just this, I actually just felt a surge of energy through my whole body, but also mm. like a big fear of just surrendering. And then I realized we're actually doing work on our primal fear that weekend. It's like seeing what our primal fear was. And one of mine was, our mind was not being strong enough. Mm. And I was surrendering to nature and I was like, no. Nature is obviously infinitively strong. So it's like I had to surrender mm. and know that I am not as powerful as I think I am, which mm. is kind of, I suppose, liberating in a way when you just surrender to that because you're no longer, you know, obviously I have personal power, but I was surrendering to something bigger than myself, which was nature. Mm. I just felt yeah. such a liberating experience. And just sitting in that dark, complete, like, you know, I am it's up to nature if it wants me to live in, in a sense. I just felt it really, it was really liberating for me. And I also kind of was getting the messages that it's like, if you have any questions or anything you're wondering about, just go sit in nature. Mm. It's not the answers aren't in the books. They're not in the, the books. Mm-hmm. Are great to learn things, but it's like you have all your inner wisdom. If you just go to nature to take the time to sit with nature, it will tell you. Yeah. So that's really what I'm trying to follow at the minute instead of, you know, we've done, we've talked about different, like, as you mentioned, psychedelics and stuff. But at the moment, for me, it's just nature is my teacher. So I'm yeah, trying to yeah. just build yeah. that. Practice. And I think that there's two things you were saying there that really resonate with me. One, I think that we're over obsessed with knowledge, which, as you said, is out of books. But wisdom comes from inside ourselves, you know, like I think it's Carl Jung who says be very wary of unlearned wisdom, you know, so you can read it in the book. But unless you embody it in your life, then it'll never be wise, if you like. But the other thing is that you were saying that um, you had this fear of not being strong enough. But in some ways, the the strongest thing we can ever do in life is surrender. You know, I think that that's very, that really reminds me of of the masculine. Like, you know, can I, can I just stand and be strong? And when I think of the archetype of the masculine, I always think of trees, like, you know, a big oak tree. I'm just there by myself, surrendering to the day-to-day process of of life as well. So even the way we think about strength, I think is, is really interesting. It's been crafted in a way in modern society. But real strength, I think, is very different, you know. And it's like the real warrior doesn't wear the armor. Exactly, exactly, yeah. But it's the heart wide open thing again, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, most yeah. Definitely. But I, again, I'm, but even in my own life that that's something I am always looking back and thinking I, at the time I thought, oh, God, I was really open hearted. And now, like with the benefit of hindsight, I'm like, oh, I probably could do that better today. Like, you know, so I think that that's and that's an ongoing practice in general is like, you know, how can we like the, the bravest thing you can ever do is to wear your heart on on armage. But it's the fucking hardest thing you'll do as well, because mm-hmm. we've all, you know, you might be greeted on the other side. Well, and also we've all been wounded as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, comic, comic tattoo the shield over his head there years ago. Yeah. Really? So, unconsciously, obviously. Unconsciously. Yeah, yeah. But I, after years after, I was like, oh my God, I literally put a shield on my heart. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Myself. But, um, I'm going to turn it into a flower. I just haven't done it. Beautiful. <laughs> Blue. Yeah, I was like, when are you turning it into a flower? But yeah, um, yeah and it, actually the word that kept coming to me when I was lying there in the darkness was like, I was feeling that fear and I was just like, 
it was like on a loop. It was just like courage, courage. Yeah. It's like that word. It's like, and it was also like that's all you need is courage. Like you have the courage, and all you need is just to be brave and keep walking. What you? And to keep going forward, that's what I always say to myself in a gentle way, you know, that I'm trying to do it better every day than I did it yesterday. But I also don't want to traumatize myself by, you know, just running out into situations that mightn't serve me. So a, a little bit every day and I just become a braver, more open person. And that's all I can ask for. And it's all you can ask for anybody, you know. So, mm. um, I'm going to ask a question before we finish. Sure. Usually used to ask, I kind of stopped asking the but I'm just interested in your opinion on it. What's your definition of success? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Great question. Mm. I suppose my personal definition of success is if I am a fully expressed person, that my life's goal for myself is that I will express all of who I am and all of who I can be in whatever form that might be through relationships, through my work, through what I do on a day to day basis. But I think there's within myself and I think this of other people as well, we all have huge potentiality and it doesn't necessarily mean money or anything like that. But there are things within me that want to grow and bloom. And I think that I would live a very successful life if I nurtured all of those parts and they all got the airtime that they needed. Mm. Beautiful. That's a very good answer or a very good um goal for success yeah I and i always think that a root of my own work is you know how do we encourage people to express their whole selves so the I starting point that. for that is try and do it yourself you know and and through that then write about the struggles of it for for others to for, for others to read and mm. um, but that, that if that if i was dying and i looked back i would like that would be my hope for myself mm. Um, and it's funny, I don't really care about anything else. Like I like money and everything like that because I live in the economic reality of the world and I have to pay for things like everybody else. But the only thing I'm ever really thinking about is how can I become more myself, you know, which is probably why I'm drawn to research things like authenticity and expression and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, thank um, you, Fiona. Thanks, Fiona. Thank you. And um, yeah, we'll put in your details in the show notes. But if anyone wants to contact you about anything, they just they can if they pop onto my website it's www.fiona-english.com or i'm on instagram and linkedin as well and i'm always happy to hear from from anybody who wants to reach out yeah. cheers for coming on the podcast anyways thank you i've really enjoyed the chat it's almost felt like a therapy session for myself <laughs> you can send me your invoice afterwards <laughs>